It is a delight to be in the house of the Lord. Good to see all of you. Welcome to all of our guests. And thank you for being a part of what God is doing at Greater Life Church. Several weeks ago in prayer, the Lord began to talk to me about the direction of our church and where he was, I felt he was wanting to take us. And he gave me several men's names and um, I did not hesitate to ask him why. I just felt like uh, God ordains men for certain hours. And I believe that God has ordained the man who has come to be with us today. Brother Stanton is not a stranger. He is a friend. We have called these seven supernatural Sundays. Now, I told him, and I'm telling you, I don't expect him to pull a rabbit out of the hat. But I do believe there's something moving in the Holy Ghost here today that if we would just let our spirit loose to that... I think God would take us to a new dimension. I think he would take us to a new depth. I believe something in the Holy Ghost can be released in this building today. Amen. I'm I'm expecting that. But you and I have to participate in that. Come on, clap your hands as he comes this morning. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Would you give another hand praise unto the Lord right now? Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. 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 I feel the Holy Ghost in here today. And I accept the prayer that Brother Hughes, your pastor, has prayed and believe that I'm here today by... A mandate of the Holy Ghost. This was not something that I planned. I would not have called him and said, I feel like I need to come. He called me, and I'll be honest with you, for the last three weeks I have been down with so much of the crud till I, when he asked me, I wasn't feeling too well, and I think I had three nights at least, sort of like what Sister Hughes had last night, sleepless nights with All of the head stuff going on in the chest and not breathing right. So when he called me, I was the furthest thing away from feeling the Spirit right then. And so I just trusted him that he knew what he was talking. But I feel today that there is a divine intersection here of what God is doing right here in this church for this specific time. Many years ago, I began to pray desperately for God to use me, and I loved to fish and hunt, spent a lot of time doing so. I had a boat that failed me, and I had to put it in the shop, and finally got it out after in, and all the dollars, and I didn't really have $115 to spend, and all excited to go fishing, and it was the crappie run up in the north into Toledo Bend. And back in those days, they would congregate out on the river and thousands of fishermen would go. And and so I was so excited. I ran and picked my boat up and got it, cranked it up, started, went down to the lake and backed it into the lake. And as I backed in there, I went to crank it up and it wouldn't start. I run the battery down, 
pulled the battery out of my truck, almost run it down, had enough sense to take it back out. And I'm sitting there in this boat, frustrated as all get out. I mean, just spent this money, cranked it up before I left town. And while I'm sitting there, another fisherman back down beside me in his nice, fancy boat. And he said, uh, what's wrong with that piece of junk? <clears throat> now, men, you know kind of how you feel right then. And I said, well, it won't crank. And I just spent the money and just got it fixed. He said, well, put your junk in my boat. So now not only my boat's junk, but my rods is junk. And he said, you can go with me. And so wanting to fish so badly, I pulled it out, parked everything, left it, grabbed my gear, and, and jumped into his boat. And I was in for a ride of my life. This man took out through the trees, through some little pig trail, through those trees that I never knew existed. And I fished there a lot. I was scared to death holding on for dear life. And when he turned real hard, right before coming out on the river channel, books slid out from underneath the console of his boat. And there was a Bible and a stack of study books. And instantly I remembered the prayer that I'd prayed. God, I want you to direct my life. And I began to feel a desperation in the spirit. And as we came to a stop, Boats on both sides. I asked him. I began to shift the books back. And I said, do you understand what you're reading in these books? And instantly he stopped. And he said, no, sir. Do you? And I said, well, I understand a little bit about the Bible. And he said, we can fish in a moment. He said, I've got this hole baited. They'll be here all day. He said, would you tell me something that you know about Jesus? And instantly, in a few moments' time, I was able to take him through the plan of salvation as it pertained to the Word of God and experience seeing a man filled with the Holy Ghost. And he did not care who was around. I feel that spirit in this house this morning. If you think you came in here by accident today, i got news for you. You didn't come by an accident this morning. There's a divine intersection right now in this house. I want you to lift your hands again right now before we read the Word of God. I feel in the Holy Ghost, Lord, today there is something that you desire for us. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. I don't know the level of your desire and your desperation today. But I believe today that for those that have a desperate faith seeking for God, you're going to find Him this morning. In Mark chapter 5, verse 25, I'll re I will read a very familiar passage of Scripture. No question, your pastor has preached from this passage, no doubt, many times. I want to say this morning, it's... An example of how much God loves you by the leadership that you have in your church. Pastor Mark and Cecilia Hughes, Brother Landon, Sister Sarah Long, this music team and worship leaders, it is an example of what God loves about you. He has sent you the best. 
Brother Landon Long preached a wonderful message the other night in De Quincey, Louisiana, and I was privileged to be there to hear him preach. And he did a tremendous job, and I compliment him on behalf of that as well. But I will also tell you, Brother Long, that your wife is the best part of you. Amen. She definitely accentuates all of those good parts. Amen. Mark 5, 25, And a certain woman, which had an issue of blood twelve years, and had suffered many things of many physicians, and spent all that she had, and was nothing bettered, but rather grew worse, when she had heard of Jesus, came in the press behind, and touched his garments. For she said, If I may touch but his clothes, I shall behold. I want to preach to you today this subject, desperate faith. Everybody said amen. You may be seated. God bless you. Thank you for standing. I know I was a little lengthy in introduction. And I will be mindful of your time today. But I want to feel after the Spirit of the Lord today for someone who came with a desperate faith for God this morning. I know that you living in Houston you are quite common with something that for us that live in more rural areas are not quite as common with. And that is these LED signs over your, your interstate and expressway systems. Whether you're on the belt, whether you're on 45, I-10, wherever you're at, they have these signs all over the metropolitan area of Houston. Coming into Houston... Many times you will see those signs and there will be silver alert and a license plate number and a description. I know that uh, you may take those signs for granted. In a city of millions, who is going to see an elderly person fitting that description that you caught in just a glimpse? And if it's not a silver alert... It is an amber alert, and many times sitting in a church service just like this. Those of us who forget to silence our phones, there is all of a sudden the squealing sound as amber alerts go off, and everybody glances at a phone and sees what it is and instantly presses the button to extinguish the sound and the alert that is there, and I can't do nothing about it. I'm sitting in church after all. You may not have a feeling of desperation about that, but somebody does. Somebody is concerned. I remember the morning in New York City. My wife and I were there in a a hotel room, and we received a call, and there was the call that her father was missing. He in his 90s, really not needing to drive. We had left firm instructions But you know, sometimes when you're tell you any different and he kind of figured out you can do what you want to do and who's going to tell you any different. And he decided that morning to go and buy, uh, I believe it was 25 or 30 pounds of these uh, 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 packs of coffee, community dark roast, and decided to go to Randy's Barbershop in Moss Bluff, Louisiana. If you had never visited Randy's Barbershop, you have missed out on it, gentlemen, because that is the master five blue ribbon 
winner of the Spit and Whittle Club. Everything that can be talked about, I will tell you, it has been talked about in that barbershop. And anyone who can be talked about is being talked about when they're open. My father-in-law loved that place, and it's where he got his hair cut. And he decided on this Sunday morning that Randy needed lots of coffee. So he went to Market Basket and wiped them out. And when they were closed, he decided to take a, a ride and go to his safety deposit box and get his military papers because my son-in-law was being called to active duty over uh, overseas. And my father-in-law decided that he would go in his place. He would just show up with his military papers and he would take my son-in-law's place so he could stay home with the grandchild. You see, when you're 90 plus years old, you do what you want to. And uh, my wife was quite angered at him because of that. And a search was put on, and he finally was found in a ditch on the east side of Lake Charles. Somehow or another, they had changed the road signs, and he got going the wrong direction and was headed for the opposite direction from where he lived. When we got home, his keys were taken, and his driver's license was extracted from his wallet, And firm instructions were given, you no longer will be driving your car. You can imagine how that went over. But you see, there was something happened in my wife that day. For many of you, the amber alert or the silver alert means nothing. But for somebody, there is a sense of desperation. Such was the thing that happened one day while I was out in the central part of Texas, in Burnett, Texas, Ten miles away is a little town of Marble Falls. That's the closest place that there is a Walmart to burn it. And when you're out hunting and you need things, you have to go to Walmart. And so my friend and I had a trip that morning, mid-morning. We went to Walmart, Marble Falls, Texas. And uh, while there, I I felt the need to stop by the the men's room before we left to drive back to the lease. And I stepped in there to a room that was quite busy, uncharacteristically busy for that mid-morning time. Men were actually waiting in a small line. And uh, when I it came my time to step on in and there was a busyness of men, all of a sudden I noticed that there was a scurrying behind me and I turned to look. And I saw an eight-year-old, approximately eight-year-old boy come running in, and he was up to no good. It was obvious by the look on his face. And still being young enough to remember what it was to be an eight-year-old boy, I was kind of curious as to what he was about. I watched him as he went into one of the three stalls uh, where was a toilet, and his feet immediately disappeared. And I heard the door latch, and in a little bit, he jumped down, and he stepped out, and he went, shh. And all the men turned and looked, and jumped up on top of her over his lips, and he jumped back in the stall, latched the door, and jumped up on top of the toilet. And we all shrugged our shoulders, like, what's this kid up to? And, you know, what's this all about? And about that moment, The line of men that were out the door began to be moved and there was this frantic sound coming in there of a woman that came screaming in there, Gavin, 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 where are you, Gavin, Gavin, Gavin? And the men all began to move back 
But we had been given strict orders. Shh, don't say nothing. And no one wanted to say anything. This woman didn't care that there were men standing at the urinals taking care of business. She didn't care that there were stalls with men in it. She began to try every door. She began to push men aside, wild-eyed, just almost slobbering at the mouth. Have you seen my son? Have you seen my son? I know he came in here. I saw him run in here. Where did he go? Who took him? And she went screaming and hollering, someone call 911, my baby is missing. He's missing. You get the picture. Now, I ran and I grabbed a hold to her. She slung me away with a ferocious look in her eyes as if I'll take your head off. And and I was trying to explain to her, ma'am, Gavin's okay. He's standing on the toilet in there hiding from you. I'll kill him. I'll kill him. I'll kill him. All of a sudden, desperation changed from a moment of wanting to kill someone to, uh, from uh, desperation to look for someone to now, I'm going to kill him for doing this to me. You see, when desperation took over, she didn't care what men were about and what they were doing. That room didn't matter to anybody else. There was a desperation there. I've got to find my baby. Now, I know that to many of you this morning, you may not sense what the moment of desperation is in this house, but I feel in my spirit this morning that maybe you haven't yet shown it, but you came in here and you've been well trained to mask what you're really feeling on the inside. But if you have ever been desperate for something, if you've ever had that heart-sinking moment when something bad was about to go down and something was wrong in a place, I will tell you right now, you let something happen right at that door that sounds like a gunshot, and you'll find out what desperation is in a heartbeat. But yet we come in the house of God, and we begin to sing the songs. And if I were begin to ask some of you, are you hungry for God? Do you desire God? And yet there has nothing really been expressionary in your face or your worship this morning that says, I'm really hungry for Him. You haven't really come to the place like David, amen, in Psalms 42 and 1, where he said, As the heart panteth after the water brooks, so my soul seeks for my God. Amen. You haven't come to the place yet like Hannah, who came with such a desperation and such a hungry heart that she was crying out, amen, from the soul, but yet no words were coming out of her mouth. She had exhausted herself in that moment of desperation. You maybe haven't yet come to that place like Jacob, who was a desperate man, amen, who came and wrestled all night long in a consuming wrestling match. And he said, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. What was going on, Jacob? Jacob was desperate for God. I wonder if I have anybody in here this morning with a desperate faith that says, I've got to touch him. I've got to get into his presence. I've got to touch the hem of his garment. If there is anyone in here today that has that desperation for God, I can tell you, amen, that when you become desperate for him, you're going to find him and you're going to touch him and reach him and your needs will be supplied. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Glory to God. 
Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's all right. Amen. If you feel a spirit of desperation, amen, it's all right. Amen. The Holy Ghost is going to take control in here today. And those who have a desperate faith, amen, for a need to be met are going to find that need can be met today. Amen. Oh, you better stay out of the way of a desperate person. That woman who came into that men's restroom that day could care less what anybody thought about her. She was determined, I've got to find my baby. You steer clear of the one who really is determined to reach for God. Not even hell itself can interfere with a desperate faith. A desperate faith that is determined, I am going to reach and touch him. You better stay out of the way of the oncoming path of a desperate church. When a church becomes desperate in faith and believing God, I can tell you that prayer closets, amen, are no longer empty because desperation has taken hold. Prayer rooms are not echo chambers for a church that is desperate. And altars become full and and the people linger around the altar because there is a desperation, amen, that begins to take hold. Amen. When we look at the word desperate, it comes from a Latin word, a term, desperatus, which means one who has lost hope. And truly to be desperate without God is to be lost indeed. Amen. But to be desperate for God is to find one's hope that is restored. I don't know about you today, but this world has turned to such a a place that I find more and more there is something stirring in my spirit, stirring deep inside. I'm weary with all of the killings. I'm weary with all of the fighting and bickering back and forth in politics. I'm, I'm weary with seeing people around churches that go through just emotion. They just want to go and smile and put in a good gift and get a little recognition, but they're not really hungry for. Amen. What I grew up knowing was an old time moving of the Holy Ghost. Amen. That's what I am hungry for. Amen. I would tell you that I feel and sense a desperation, much like what I read of the philosopher Socrates. Amen. Who had a young man that was joining himself unto him and wanting the wisdom of the elder. The young man asking Socrates for what is the secret to your wisdom? The young man and Socrates walking one day by the lakeside to which the elder man began to direct their path deeper and deeper into the edge of the lake. And then unexpectedly, he reached up and grabbed the young man by the nap of the neck and pushed him under the water and pushed him down, down to the bottom and just held him there. For a little while, there was no resistance. But then there began to be a desperation take over this young man to the point that finally, he began to come off of his feet and dig at the ankles of the elder man and pulled him off of his feet and he come up jumping up out of the water 
gasping for air. And the young boy asking him, what was that all about? The elder man, Socrates, said, son, what did you want most while I was holding you under the water? He said, sir, to breathe, to breathe. That's all I wanted. He said, when you get as desperate for wisdom and knowledge, amen, as you were to breathe, that's when you're going to gain that. Amen. There's some of you are wondering what is the mystery of growing in God and becoming greater in His kingdom. If there is a young man or a young woman feeling a call of God in their life, I will tell you that what it is that will draw you to the place of God's usefulness is when you get as desperate for God as you are to breathe air, you're going to find God because that desperation drives you and takes a hold of you. Hallelujah. I am sure around here, as at our church, you have sang the song in the past, amen, of Rebecca St. James that was made quite popular for a while. The words of it says, this is the air I breathe. This is the air I breathe. Your holy presence living in me. This is my daily bread. This is my daily bread, your very word spoken to me. Amen. I, I am desperate for you. And I, 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 I am lost without you. Oh, Lord, I am lost without you. Amen. Can I tell you today, amen, if there is something inside of, of your heart today that's tired of going through this life and the way that you've been going. Amen. Midnight times are not good times. You have to take something to sleep and then you got to take a drink of something to get awakened. And in the middle of your night, there is a haunting dream that keeps coming back. Amen. I feel it in the Holy Ghost right now. Amen. I've been preaching for a while to find it, but I'm finding it right now. There are some people in here that's not sleeping well, that's not resting well. Amen. You're living in a fear. Amen. Constantly everywhere you go. Amen. Can I tell you, it may just be that God's trying to stir up a desperation inside of you to get you to live for Him in a way that you have never lived for Him before. Amen. Listen. Amen. Brother Hughes has been telling me about the moving of the Spirit that's been going on in greater life. Amen. Can I tell you, amen, while the waters are troubled, amen, you need to get in this right now. Come on, get your desperation moving right now. Amen. If you'll get desperate faith, amen, you'll be surprised what God can do for you. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen, amen. This text, this text of this dear lady that we have read about today, who came to Jesus in an act of desperate faith, She had an issue of blood. Amen. The Bible tells us. I have been asked many times, and I am not certain for sure, but some commentators who know of medical conditions that are common to us today state that possibly she had a what's called a fistula. Possibly it was a fibroid cyst. Or maybe even ovarian cancer. But the fact is, she was a very, very sick woman, physically. Sick for 12 years. The sickness had weakened her physically. The sickness had affected her 
in her intimate relationships. The sickness had affected her ability to be able to go into public worship. She could not go to the temple. She was considered a woman that was unclean, one that was an outcast. She had suffered much at the hands of the local physicians. I dared to look up some of the remedies of that day, and it's astounding some of the things that they would do to try to cure a woman like her. One of the prescriptions was to take the gum of Alexandria, the weight of a small coin of alum, and the same. Let it be bruised together and given in wine to the woman with an issue of blood. Another remedy was to take Parisian onions, three pints, and boil them in wine and then give them to her and drink. And while she is drinking, to say, Arise, arise from thy flux. And if this did not cure her, set her in a place where two ways meet and let her hold a cup of wine in her right hand and let someone come from behind and frighten her and say, Arise, arise from thy flux. These and many other type of medicines were given to someone that was in need. You say that's utterly ridiculous, but you've never had what this woman had. There are some things that have been done to me in sickness that in my right mind, in my sound body, I would have never allowed to happen. I remember the first time that I had to go through some of the medical procedures that led to the discovery of colon cancer. And I can tell you that there is no way, no way that I was going to take those drugs and drink that that gunk and all of that. There's no way. But when you get desperate and you're desiring for good health, there are things that you will subject yourself to. And you won't even ask a question as to what the end result is because you're desperate. You're in such a place that you've got to have help. You've got to have something change in your life. As my dad used to say, he say, shoot up here amongst us and give one of us some relief. I can't stand this no more. And truthfully, that is the truth. There are medicine cabinets that are filled in all of our homes. For at one time or another, we have experienced something that has made us so uncomfortable That we will go and we will walk the aisles and find what we can purchase that maybe, just maybe, will bring a little comfort. There are many of you that would have never come to a church except things got so desperate. Amen. Your relationships, your marriage had fallen apart. Your family was in shambles. And you found that the bottle or the drugs would no longer numb the pain. And you got to a place to where you begin to go beyond what anybody else said was sound. I know we're living in a time when when faith and religion is considered to be something to laugh at. They have laughed recently on the view about the faith of Vice President Pence. And they've made light of what he he says, that, that Jesus talks to him and tried to make him out to be a crazy man. But I'm going to tell you, I lift my hand among the number because I hear the voice of God also. I heard the voice of you that desperate faith altar a prayer as I sought him out. 
I can tell you that desperate faith hears what has never been heard before. It hears something that others may make light of and say it doesn't matter. Amen. It, it didn't matter that as she grew sicker, they had no, no answer for her sickness. And everything they had done for her did not do anything to resolve the problem. And so in her desperation as she grew sicker, amen, she had spent everything that she had and she was none the better, the scripture said. Everything was just as it had been before. But in desperate faith, she began to hear something call in her spirit. Spirit. Amen. She had heard something about the man, amen, called Jesus. And she began to wonder, I just wonder if I could make my way through the crowd and get in there and touch the hem of his garment. Amen. Maybe, just maybe, I would be made whole. Amen. You see, desperate people begin to question things that the normal lost world thinks is not really kosher and right. You see, there are people that will tell you, you don't have to get emotional the way people got in here this morning. Amen. But oh, my brother, sister, amen, you hold on a minute. You get desperate for God. Amen. And you don't care what anybody thinks. Amen. You begin to wonder, amen, if I need to get out on this floor and roll over here, I'll roll across this floor. If I need to run around these aisles, I'll run around these aisles. Why? Because I'm desperate in faith. I need a touch from God. I don't care what anybody else thinks is right. Hallelujah. 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 I've had a many a person tell me, amen, I just don't believe it takes all that hand clapping and that shouting. Preacher, you don't have to get red in the face. You don't have to scream and spit across the pulpit. Amen, you can speak it in calm terms and it will do just as much. But you don't feel the desperation that I feel of trying to pull somebody from the gates of hell this morning. Amen, I feel a sense of desperation for somebody in this house today. And can I tell you that desperate faith doesn't care what anybody else thinks. Desperate faith, amen, will begin to reach out with a passion like nobody else. Amen, I observed in here this morning and I picked out several people that I automatically felt like there was a desperate faith inside of them. You could pick them out. They were more expressionary. Amen, they came in here, yes, tired like everybody else. Amen, but I begin to hear some voices in praise and worship. Amen. I begin to hear some hand clapping. I begin to hear some getting with the worship of what was going on. Let me tell you, desperate faith doesn't care what somebody else thinks. They'll tell you, you don't have to beg God. Amen. But desperate faith calls for a passion. It calls for something burning inside. If you want God to heal you, if you got an infirmity in your body, I can tell you that when you get desperate for that healing, You won't care what anybody else thinks. You'll do whatever you have to do to get to Jesus and touch the hem of his garment. Would you clap your hands and give God a praise again? Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Those who do not adhere to or believe in desperation and tactics that are desperate will tell you the days of miracles are over. But you've come too late to tell me that because I stand today as a sister will do things of God's healing power. 
A desperate faith, brother and sister, will do things that has not been done before. Amen. I don't think it was exactly the proper way to have church, to crawl through the crowd, to get somewhere, to try to get to Jesus. But I don't find anywhere in here where this lady cared what anybody thought. She got desperate enough that she got down on her hands and knees. And she was willing to crawl among the legs and the feet of people to get into the place to where she could touch the hem of the garment. You remember the story of where we're at in this passage. There was a huge crowd that had earlier greeted Jesus by the seaside. And Jairus, a ruler of the synagogue, fell at the Lord's feet. And he said, my daughter is dying. Come and heal her. You see, a person of desperate faith doesn't care what rank they carry. Desperate faith will cause you to forget about all the pomp and circumstance. I have seen people that were the most dignified of dignified people, but yet get desperate in their spirit. And they laid aside all of the garments, amen, of of being a dignified person, a leader in the community. You see, desperate faith will, amen, it may seem silly to most, but press on anyway. Desperate faith may seem impossible, but you press on anyway. The person that is desperate for God, amen, simply has no other choice but to press on anyway. Desperation will drive a person, amen, who never thought about doing certain things, but they get hungry for God. And they desire, amen, they've got to get there. One day, at uh, after I got off of work, um, I was fixing to go fishing and hooked up my boat and was getting ready to go. And there was a man that worked where Sister and I both had worked for a time in our life at a Honda dealership. And he was a man that wore steel toe boots, jeans, a blue denim type work shirt. Had a big old thick leather belt, big old thick band for his watch. He was kind of dark complected, had a long black hair pulled into a ponytail that hung down almost to his belt loops. He wasn't anything to look at. There was absolutely zero expression. He would come and correct you, tell you what you were doing wrong, turn and walk away. He was not going to win any kind of contest in Mr. Personality. That was the type of man he was. One day, many days, I had invited him to the house of God. I'd invite him to come to church. I'd witness to him about the saving power of Jesus Christ, repentance, water baptism in Jesus' name, and the infilling of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of tongues. Never one time, Did he ever give me a nod, shake his head, no, I don't believe in that? Never one time. One day, while I was busy with what limited time I had to go and do an afternoon fishing trip, I was hooked up, ready to go, went into the driveway of my dad's house. We lived behind my dad's house for a time in a travel trailer. And uh, he came driving up there. I got out of my truck. Because I recognized the vehicle. And when he got out of that car, I'm in trouble. I think it snapped. 
I thought that I was in trouble. I thought I'm fixing to get the beating of my life. Because this guy jumps out of the car, leaves it running and the door open. And he was walking with arms swinging and tears were running down his face. And he had a, a, a look on his face like he was gritting his teeth. And he began to speak to me. And he said, you tell me that God loves me and that God will forgive me and that God will give me a gift that is free. You've told me that God would change my life and I want it and I want it now. And I said, well, brother, you know, we're, we're in revival. We're going to be having church tomorrow night, you know, and you can come to the house of God and you'll be blessed and you'll be moved. But let me tell you something right now. When you get a hold of a desperate person, Amen. They don't have to have no preacher. They don't have to have no singer on the platform. They don't have to have no protocol in a service. Amen. He come up there and he said, Amen. He said, I'm not going anywhere. I want what you've been telling me about and I want it right now. Well, what am I supposed to do? I'm hooked up. I'm ready to go fishing. You know, you're not supposed to interrupt a man when he's going to do something spiritual like that, but he didn't care. There was a desperation about this man. Amen. I said, come on inside. I got my wife and my mother and, and we came in there and I began to talk to him. I said, hey, you know, Jack, what you need to do is you need to call out on God. And so he just throwed his head back and he said, call out on God. I said, no, 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 no. We gotta, we gotta learn to pray a little bit. I don't know how to pray. You tell me what to say and I'll say it. I mean, yelling. I mean, there, there wasn't none of this. Amen. How you doing, buddy? Hey, hey, you okay? Oh, no. Hey, tell me what I'm supposed to do. And he's shaking the shoulder. Amen. Desperate. Amen. I gotta have something from God. I wonder if I got anybody in here this morning that senses in their spirit a feeling of desperation. Amen. I said, Jack, I want you to kneel down right here. And right at a couch, he knelt down. Amen. Mom got on one side, my wife behind him. I'm on the other side. And I said, I want you to begin to ask God to forgive you of your sins. God, forgive me of my sins. I said, tell him again. He said, God, forgive me of my sins. Again, I tell you, God. Everything I'm saying, he takes it literal. How do you pray with somebody like that? We're used to seeing people that know how to get into a certain mode. and they have, He didn't know nothing about that. All he knew was is that somebody had been telling him about a life-changing experience. And he was desperate for God. And so I began to lead him through prayer. I learned then to begin to pray. And he would say exactly what I said. And so I thought, you know, ding, ding. I'm going to pray myself through the Holy Ghost and see if it won't work and feel him to. And in a matter of a few moments, amen, the desperation of that man, he began to speak in a heavenly language as the Spirit of God gave the utterance. That's what desperate faith will do. Oh, come on. The Holy Ghost is beginning to move in here right now. Amen. There's a sense of desperation beginning to move in some spirits of some hearts of people right now. Amen. I, you know, the carnal side right then says, well, we can go fishing now. But no, no. He said, what's this you told me about baptism? He said, I gotta be baptized. Amen. He said, you told me I needed to be baptized in Jesus' name. Amen. There wasn't no putting it off to 
till tomorrow. There wasn't no waiting till tonight to get a hold of dad. Amen. It was go to the church right now and baptize me in the name of Jesus. And amen. To get the tongue here that's willing to go beyond anything you've done. Amen. To get the touch of God in your life right now. Come on. Would you magnify him right now? Clap your hands and lift your voice in a desperate faith. Amen. Oh, <laughs> hallelujah. 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 Is there anybody willing to do what you've never done before to receive the touch from God today? Oh, hallelujah. 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 Desperate faith will receive what has never been received before. She pressed through that crowd and you will find that there are still crowds that surround Jesus. The very mention of his name still brings many people around him. Let me tell you, those that are hungry, those that are desperate in faith today, you'll have to ignore some people sitting around you on either side that's acting a little bored with what's going on and has been checking their text messages and their Instagram, amen, and all their feedback on there. Amen, can I tell you right now, amen, that if you're really desperate, ignore the crowd around you. Yes, there's going to be some people, amen, it's going to whisper to you and say, it doesn't take all that. You don't have to press in like that. Amen. But if you'll tune out the whispers around you and you'll crawl to an altar, to a place of prayer, can I tell you that your desperate faith will cause you to receive what you've never received before. Amen. You'll have to ignore the critics. Amen. Desperate people are always going to be criticized. This lady, desperate, pushed through the crowd to say, if I can but touch the hem of his garment. She said, I know that I can be made whole. When she pressed her way through that crowd, the words of Jesus rewarded her with what she had never had before of any man. You see, they had given her all kinds of awful medications None of which made her any better. But just going through that crowd and ignoring all of the sounds around her. She heard the words of Jesus state to her daughter, your faith hath made you whole. I want us to stand right now because I'm drawing to a close at this moment. I want you to know him. I would love for everybody in here today to come to a place of provoking themselves. Back to a moment of desperation. Child of God, do you remember what it was like the first time you hungrily came seeking after God? Do you remember what it was the first time you heard an old-fashioned prayer meeting going on and what stirred inside of you? Do you remember that time? Do you remember it? I wonder today if it would be possible to activate your desperate faith this morning. Because here's what I know is that when we as a church body are desperate in faith, it also raises the level for those around us to feel more comfortable to reach desperately for God as well. We are living in a world and a society that tries to suppress 
all emotions as it pertains to God. We can go to a ball game and act nuts. We can church a beach and act nuts. We can go to a theme park and act crazy. But in church, we're supposed to somehow be quiet. I hear the whispers. I hear the suppressing sound. But in the midst of it, I hear some desperate faith starting to call out. Amen. I hear some desperate faith today that said, I've got to touch Him. I've got to touch Him. If you feel that desperation in your spirit, I wonder who is desperate for God right now enough to step out. Amen. Unashamedly and brazenly and say, I don't care what anybody thinks around me. I'm desperately seeking for you, God. I'm seeking after you today. I've got to receive my touch from you today, oh God. Come on, young people. Amen. Come on today. There's some of you that you know you've lived your life in a world of sin. You've given yourself unreservedly. Amen. To the God of this world and the kingdoms of this world. Come on, determined to give yourself equally unto God today. I invite everybody to make a way to this altar this morning. Amen. To the prayer team around the altar, help me because I don't know everyone here. Help me pray for those around. Amen. Any ministers in the church, come and help me pray this morning. You know where the needs are today.